scared. Ah! Why are you scared, Micah? <sighs> use your words. Why are you scared? I'm not going to use my words, Jordan, but I'll wonder if you'll hear my thoughts. Oh. Today we're talking about chaos walking on the Macaw Podcast universe because what do we do every year, Jordan? Tell me about what we do on Halloween every year as a tradition. We watch a movie that was supposed to kickstart a franchise but bombed so terribly there are no other entries. That's exactly what we do, eloquently put, because what's scarier to a Hollywood producer than a failed movie franchise? Now these are just quick little bonus extra episodes, you know what I'm saying? So as such, we we definitely watched this movie. Boy, did we watch it. But this was a tough movie to watch. Like pretty immediately. I mean I mean pretty immediately I thought like, oh, it's a it's amazing that they even made any money on this. I know. It's wild. And so um this movie came out this year. Now, just to kind of show you, I, I think most people don't even know what this movie is or even heard about this movie. I feel like I remember when the trailer came out, people were like, What is going on? Sure. But the, I yeah. think the trailer I saw was kind of like a teaser. Yeah. So you weren't, you were supposed to have questions, but I feel like it was just a, like everyone was so confused and not in a good way. Well, much like this movie, the, the teaser, I'm sure, I did not see the teaser, but it was probably like, here's a bunch of questions, but no real good answers. Uh-huh. Was that about right? Yeah. Because this movie was like... Here's all these ideas, but we're not really going to explain any of them. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to talk about it. So pre, so the first year we had this podcast, we covered Fantastic Four 2015. Josh Trank's movie, a unequivocally horrible movie. Yeah. Then last year we cover, covered Mortal Engines, and we were excited to find that the movie's kind of good. Yeah. And it's kind of a bummer that it's they can't make more. like a fun homage to so many directors. Yeah, it, that it, we know and love. Yeah, it has major problems, but like it should not have bombed as bad as it did because it was like no. better than a lot of blockbuster movies, and especially in my opinion, young adult vein. Yeah, pretty good. But this is like okay, you hear it's a bomb, you go and you watch it, and I mean, like like Jordan said, first scene, it was like oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I can't hardly believe this already. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about this because there's. And I will say, I have so many questions about it that I'm sure book the book explains. Uh huh. And and that is kind of the issue with the with the watching a movie of a franchise that never got started because they're never able to answer these questions. Yeah. But I got so many of them. Yeah. So uh, let's just start off talk about who made it. Yeah. Like we usually do. So we have Doug Lyman as the director. Now, he has a very storied career. This guy directed Swingers, The Born Identity, Edge of Tomorrow, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, American Made, the Tom Cruise movie where he's doing he drugs. He Oblivion. Uh, I, was, I think I misspoke on oh, that okay. one. Oh, okay. But he's um, an action guy. Yeah. A competent director, if nothing else. Um, and then we have a screenplay by Patrick Ness, who's the author of the book. Okay. And he wrote the screenplay for A Monster Calls. Okay. And then Christopher Ford, who we've talked about on this podcast, because he did the screenplay for Spider-Man Homecoming. One of the people. Okay. Then we have cinematography by Ben Saracen, who I, I was actually ready to like kind of dig into this guy. 
because I thought this movie looked really, really bad. Mm-hmm. It looked like TV. Mm-hmm. Um, there was nothing uh, unique about it. Mm-mm. So I thought maybe that falls on the cinematographer, but the guy's done Godzilla versus Kong, which a very stylized movie. Yeah, very fun. The Mummy, which also kind of shares more in common with this than Godzilla yeah. and Kong, cinematography wise. Unstoppable, Pain and Gain. The guy's done a lot, mm-hmm. so I, I actually don't want to peg him too hard on this one. Got it. Um, and then here's what's insane. So as you've been listening this month. This month of October, we've been covering Fear Street, and by the time this came out, we're already on episode probably two or three of Scream. Mm-hmm. And all of those movies have a score by Marco Beltrami, and this movie has a score by Marco Beltrami. Weird. So it is the month of Beltrami. Yeah. And then he also has Brandon Roberts on the score, who did Fear Street 1994 and 1666 what? with Marco Beltrami. What a dream come true for that guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, now let's talk about the nitty-gritty. We got the people out of the way. This is where it gets fun, Jordan. So, the movie came out this March 5th, 2021. For all of you listening, you go, it did? Yeah. Can you just take a stab at what you think the budget of this movie is? You told me it was like... I, I, I misspoke. Oh. Is it really expensive? Yes. Is it like a hundred million? It's one hundred million. Oh wow! Yeah. And it made. So here in the U.S., on a one hundred million dollar budget, it made thirteen million dollars. <laughs> and then worldwide, this is including the U.S. Of course, adding it all together, it made twenty six point nine. Ooh, that's bad. So made that's a way a big, less than half. Did, do you think this movie turned into the what the you know? You hear about movies doing poorly so production companies can take a loss. Yeah. Did it turn into that at some point during production? Uh, maybe. But Well, I would say no because they invested I, a lot of money in the I, reshoots. Yeah. Yeah. So let's now let's really get into it. I, I wish there was more. I wish there was like an expose. There's just a lot of like. It's just very matter of fact of of how this all went uh-huh. down, but it's one of those things where it's like you wish someone was like on set documenting this from the beginning because uh-huh. it'd be a fascinating documentary. Uh-huh. Um, so in October 2011, Lionsgate gets the right to film a movie out of the Chaos Walking trilogy. So they're working on Hunger Games. I think Hunger Games is 2012, the first one, something like 2012. that. 2012, no. No? No, I think we were like, because that, that means we'd be like graduating high school. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Oh, really? Yeah, because the I second... I guess they were, a lot of them were coming out when I was in college. Yeah. I, it's hard because I never read the books, so like, I don't really know, but sure, 2012. I, I, so when the dystopian craze really took off. Yeah, so they're like, we're about to do this movie, yeah. and they go, let's get another one. So they get the rights in 2011. And... And it sounds like, I know that our whole emphasis of the Halloween episode is it's supposed to launch a franchise, but it sounds like they got the rights to do one movie on the trilogy. Yeah. So that's already kind of a bad idea. I don't get that. Like, were they having a hard time with the author or the publishing company to, like, secure rights so they just did one of them, or they only were willing to pay money for one, and then if it did well, they'd pay for the others? I I wish I knew. 
it's so weird and then when because as we were watching it i looked up what the series is about because i i had to know and it's very different yeah based on the like the plot summary it sounds much better it still sounds pretty bad i would say though it sure but like for young adult not really in my opinion i i don't really i don't read young adult anymore i don't really like it but from what i'm reading it's, it's we'll go we'll just talk about it later keep going okay <laughs> so lionsgate gets the rights and then in 2012 they hire charlie kaufman to make a script like the like being john malkovich um i'm thinking of ending things uh what, adaptation adaptation they're like we got charlie kaufman now on the surface that actually makes a lot of sense in in as the, a joke well in regards to this is a movie about people where you can read their thoughts and he is very good at expressing internal dialogue but th- this is the question i have because he's so out there and and i i, I like him I, he's very out there yeah does very interesting things could he make something for young adults though yes and i'm not so sure i think probably not i think he's much too complicated for young adults. Um, but having said that, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that makes sense in theory. In practicality, I don't think it makes sense. Yeah. But unfortunately, again, this is why I wish there was like a documentary crew. He just is not a part of the project. There's okay. not like a reason why. I couldn't find anything about it. Allegedly, there's a script online of his, but you never know how... Yeah. Uh, if those are real or not. Yeah. Um, so they pass and then they just have, they go through like a ton of people just ma- trying to make this script Oof. over and over and over and over. So then they shoot the movie in 2017. Jordan, this movie came out in 2021. Wow. They shot it in 2017. And how would you feel if you were Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley? And, like, in 2017, you know, Star Wars had come out. Well, it's coming out, whatever, that yeah. year. And then a Spider-Man Homecoming's come out at that point. I think that summer Spider-Man Homecoming came so out. So, like, you know, they're on the cusp of greatness slash greatness. Yeah. yeah. And it is like they're doing everything they can. Uh-huh. Money's being thrown their way. Their agents are scrambling trying to, like, make the right move. Here's a franchise. Here's another franchise. It's young adult. You guys would still fit in it. Do it. And then they do it, and then it takes years for it to come out. So now it's at a point where it's like, why would they be in this movie? Exactly. And then you just answer the question. Yes. Ugh. And there's more to that. So, and and here's here's why, because when Jordan and I were watching this, Mads Mikkelsen shows up. And we go, what is Mads Mikkelsen doing in this movie? But if you think about it, 2016, he comes off of Doctor Strange. He's doing some more American roles. Doctor oh okay i thought of dr sleep when you said that <laughs> no dr strange so it would make sense that around the time they finished production on dr strange he's like let me do another american movie is doctor okay wait what does american breakout in your opinion oh it's definitely casino royale oh okay like 100 percent. okay um keep and, going and then he, he's done many others okay. since then but he's still you know uh he's very much a danish actor yeah 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 um but I, I, I think it makes sense that an agent's like, okay, you just did Doctor Strange. Let's do another movie like this. Yeah. And then Cynthia Erivo was in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Which that was, was, that was shocking. Actually, more shocking than Mads Mikkelsen. Absolutely. For me. That was the most shocking. 
But then I think about it and I go, wait, this if this was shot in 2017, in the past four years, she has gotten so famous. But in 2017, she wasn't that famous. So it would make sense that she would sign up for this movie. Yeah. Hannibal came out between 2013 and 2015. Okay. So still a little surprised about it. But I guess, you know, this is a big franchise. Hopefully, the kids yeah. start to a big young adult franchise. Maybe it's not that crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I get I get the play. I, I wouldn't get it now. And he was in Rogue One in 2016. I forgot about that. Yeah. So th- this makes sense. He's he's getting into some franchises. He's he's getting some paydays, you know? Yeah. And but yeah, the Cynthia Arrivo one, I was like shocked by it. Like, why would she choose this? And then when I found out it was shot four years ago. It totally makes sense. That's a bummer for everyone. I mean, not really. No one's going to know that they were ever in this movie. The only people who are going to know are the people who listen to this episode. That's true. Because nobody saw this movie. It is on Hulu if you're curious. So, shot the movie in 2017. They start doing screen tests. And the producers say it's unreleasable. The (laughs) screen tests are so poor. Like, no no one is liking this movie. So, they decide to do... Um, reshoots, and so we they were, love them. Oh yeah, we, we love, love reshoots, and they were gonna do them in 2018, but Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley were shooting little old movies called Spider-Man: Far From Home and Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Kind of a big deal. Ever heard of it? So they had to push them back a year. So then they had to shoot the reshoots in 2019, April. And it cost $15 million for reshoots. And among that, uh, Doug Lyman didn't even shoot the reshoots. It was a different director. Um, and it's, it's oh, I didn't put his name down. But he's the director who directed Don't Breathe and The Newest Evil Dead. Okay. So then they're like, okay, then we can release it in 2020. Pandemic. Uh <laughs> Isn't that just a sign? Like, shouldn't that be like, okay, guys, curtains. Curtains on this. And, I mean, so they basically reshoot. I mean, extensive reshoots to me means they probably reshot, like, a, like probably more than 50% is my guess. And surprisingly, I did oh. not notice, like, which parts were reshot. Because a lot of times when movies are made herky-jerky like this, you can tell. Um I almost feel like the the more uh, FX heavy scenes were the reshoots. They probably were because they're pretty inexcusable for how bad they were. Here's a question yes. I have. Yes, please. So when an actor is hired to do a role, and they do it, and they get paid, and they their contracts and all that stuff, and then there are reshoots, do they get paid on top of that? I have no idea. I bet that's in contract stuff. But but I bet that they have like a clause that's like because reshoots are normal. Yeah, I know it is. That's why I'm curious. So it's like, but can like, I guess you could potentially, I, I wonder if some actors negotiate if there are reshoots is this much per day. I bet if you or, are a famous actor, yeah, like, that's, that's, like a no, big I'm actor. not just saying anybody. I'm not yeah. saying anybody, but if that's negotiated at times. Yeah. But I, no, it, it would make sense though. If, if, or, or, or it'd be the kind of thing where it's like just in the contract, it says like, we're going to pay you $7 million. And if we do reshoots for three, two, uh, Two weeks, you're going to get an extra $1 million. Yeah. Or something like yeah. that. So it's like you for sure get this, and you have a chance to like basically get a bonus. 
Uh, yeah. Next year. Maybe it's something like that. I don't know. Call in if you know. Um, and then, so that's, that is how the movie was made. But then I saw this astounding fact that, that, you know, all of this is crazy, but this shook me to my core. <laughs> and it was just a tr- an IMDb trivia, and it just said, Nick Jonas spent seven months perfecting his southern accent for the role. Buddy. <laughs> Buddy. It's time. It's let's time just, to call it a wrap on your be, acting let's career. Let's just be done with it, Nick. He's very, very bad. Because he was in the Jumanji movies. Yeah. And when, like, it, the movies come to a screeching halt anytime he shows up in any scene. Yeah. He's astoundingly Well, this horrible. was my take on it, on him at this point. So he's in Jumanji, and it's, you know, a cameo. It's yeah. very, you know, it is very much like, Nick Jonas, where's he been all this? Like, <laughs> this is kind of a funny cameo. I would have never guessed. Yeah. And he's also in the next one, I think, too, for a brief, which was no, like. No, no, for a lot. Okay, yeah, he was in the next one, too, and it's like, yeah, it was funny when it was a cameo. Now so, he's like a main character. So then in this movie, when he shows up, it's like, dude, you're trying to get started on this acting career, and like you were... You're famous enough to be a cameo in a movie that was really successful, and you can only land these kinds of roles yeah. in a really bad young adult sci-fi where you're just like the idiot son. Yeah. That, I don't know. I don't think it's just, I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah. Go back to, go hang out with your brothers and continue to do music because you guys will always, there's always a demand for Jonas Brothers stuff. Yeah. When, when they came out a couple years ago with that, that music video, that song, people went nuts. They went bonk bonk. Like, oh, their wives are in it. This is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Go on tour. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's certifiably horrible in this as yeah. well as his other two movies. Um, and so that is Chaos Walking and How It's Made. So why don't you hit us with those actors? We've talked about Tom. Cannot believe this is the first time we're covering Daisy Ridley is for yeah. this movie. We can and not Star Wars. We can skip her if you'd like. Well, it's really mostly her and save her, but Star Wars. Yeah. Because that's her breakout. Yeah. Since then, she's been in things like she's in the Peter Rabbit movies. She's in Murder on the Orient Express. Murder on the Orient Express. Um, yeah. And, and other stuff that we can get into more deeply later. Um, let's see who this is. Oh, that's who it is. Okay, so the guy who plays, who guy who wears the glasses, uh, Damien Bachir. You remember who that is? Yes, yeah. He's in Hateful Eight. Who is he? He is the is he he's the Spanish guy. He's Bob. Yeah. Wow. Is he, he's Spanish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's Mexican. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I with the beard, I was like, I how how do I, how can I recognize that this makes person? sense? And I, I can't, it's like I recognize his voice more than anything. Yeah, me too. Because in in uh in Hateful Eight, the, he has a lot of like clothes on and and a bunch of facial hair, and he's kind of like indis- like he he he's hard to distinguish his physical features. Yeah, which is beyond great. the character is very cool. Um, David. How do you say that guy? Oyelo, right? Oyelo. I think it's Oyelo. We'll go with it. Yeah. Um, he is in Selma, Nightingale, Don't Let Go, The Waterman. Now, I guess also Peter Rabbit. Can we take yeah. a brief sidebar? David Oyelo is one of these actors 
that is so freaking good at acting. I love the guy, but he is in like two good movies. <laughs> and I, I wish he'd get another agent or like a new approach to his career or something yeah. because he is so good. I mean, Selma, a really good movie. He's, I mean, he plays the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and he nails it and he's so good. I've never seen that movie. It's a good movie. I know. And, um, and it's, it's like, that came out in 2016. He should not be following it up with this movie shot in 2017. Um, Selma came out in 2016? Yeah. Oof. So it feels like, you know, Selma, from then on, he should have been like the guy that's in like prestige dramas and, and it's like a, like a Caprio kind of career. And I got to say, the character in this movie, absolutely unnecessary. Totally. Obvi- I mean, I'm sure it's a character in the book and stuff, but it, it's obviously adapted so poorly Yeah. That, that this character does nothing. Yeah. It's just like, we need a crazy religious fanatic, but he murders people. Yeah. That's just it. And and he's in, um, I guess the other good movie he's in is Interstellar, because he's the principal at the school. Oh, I always forget that. And that's... As far as I can remember off the top of my head, that's like his only two good movies. <laughs> Dang. That's a bummer. I mean, it probably doesn't help that he's not getting any younger. Yeah, but, you know, we we like to see some miles on our actors, you know? Mm-hmm. So, wh- who else? And then Cynthia Erivo, Um, She is in Harriet, Widows, Bad Times at the El Royale which was my first introduction to her. Mine too. And blown away. That movie too was, I remember when that movie came out, I was a little bit like, whatever, not super interested. And it is kind of like, Jordan, what are you talking about? John Hamm's in that movie. And then my parents rented it one night and I'm like, I guess I'll just watch it. Who cares? I have nothing better to do. It was good. <laughs> it's really good. It's a good. good movie. It's fun. It's it's like a... It's like a new, t- it's, it's a Tarantino kind of movie. Yeah. And um, I think it's a great movie. Like it was, it surpassed. Kind of like a bottle episode kind of thing. Yeah. You it, know? it was like 20% better than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. It was, it was good. Yeah. It was great. And she was really good at it. Well, and, and might I say when that movie came out, uh, it came out around the same time as A Star is Born and Venom. And I remember on, um. Instagram, I did a poll, and I asked people what I should go see, and I I think there were a couple people that were like, you gotta see Bad Times at the El Royale, but I just kind of wanted to see A Star is Born and Venom. I was doing a double feature, and I did that, when I should have skipped Venom Venom and seen Bad Times instead. Oh, you wouldn't have seen A Star is Born? No, I should have done A Star is Born and Bad Times and skipped Venom. Got it. But Venom was a was a fun movie. It's just not very good. Got it. Um, she is also in The Outsider playing favorite Holly Gibney. Everyone gasps. Ah. And then in on TV. Okay. Um, we, Cynthia Revo's great. She's in Harriet, too, which was... I said Harriet, I think. I don't know if you did. She's in Harriet. And she had a song that was nominated for Best Song at the Oscars. And it didn't win. And it Yeah, that it, was wild. It was wild because I don't really care about the songs. Uh, but you know, at the Oscars they always perform them. Uh-huh. Uh and when she did hers, I was like, Holy crap, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is good. Yeah. And then uh, Elton John does his thing. 
no shade thrown to Elton John. Oh, it's but a it's, bad Elton John song. But, but it's like I think it's a legacy award. You know? It's oh, like, it he, absolutely is. He got is. his biopic. Elton John it's like a, It's like Elton John did an Elton John pastiche. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like she should have won though. It oh, was absolutely! So crazy good. It like it was yeah. Um, we've covered Mads. We have. And I think that is about all I care to talk about. Yeah. Just in general. I mean, let's... No, we, in general. Okay. Okay, here's We the don't thing. have to go too far into this I know, movie. but I... So I would like to bring this up because I did look up the... Sorry, I have to Google it. The movie, or the, the books. Okay. So in this movie, the movie, the premises, uh, it's just set on a place called New World. Yeah, it's the New World. First of all, not okay. <laughs> because I just thought it was Earth the whole time, like for until they said it wasn't. Why are you calling it New World? Because to, to me, it felt like, oh, yeah. this is so far in the future. <laughs> Apparently, at one point, I said, this is what they should have done. And Micah said, you just described after Earth. Yes. So, but <laughs> I, it, it's just, the, it's called New World, and it's on a place that looks like Earth. There was, it was not yeah. imaginative at all. Um, that being said, so also on this planet, men's th- all men's thoughts are visible, can be heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, frankly, is a very stupid idea. Can we just say that? I think it is. I think, here's what I think, I don't though. even need to give it credit. It's I a know, bad idea. I know, but I, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, clearly, it's not to everyone because the books have won a ton of awards. Yeah. So Fair enough, yes. The And the books, it says... It is set in a dystopian world where all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts, including animals. You can hear animals' thoughts. Yeah. So I, I think the the big idea behind it was, um, which it, it makes sense for young adults. You know, if you're a kid and your your mind's racing all the time, mm-hmm. and w- what if they were on display? Like, what would that do to you? How yeah. would you How would you act if that was true? And I, I get that as a premise, but gosh darn it, it was awful in this movie it was so bad and like immediately when it started to it was bad yes yes yeah and (laughs) you know i didn't read too much into the synopses of the books but it does so it's three books they follow todd and viola which are the two main characters of this movie and the first one is about todd being forced to flee his town after discovering a patch of silence free of noise Free of thought. Yeah, better plot. And it's like, okay, cool. That sounds interesting. And then the next book is Todd being forced to flee his... Oh, wait, that's the, first, that's the first one. The second one is Tensions Rise as a Civil War Between Two Opposing Factions Forms. Sure, that sounds like a good middle book. I know I'm getting too far into it. Yeah. But the last book is... No, no, you're good, you're good. The indigenous species of New World rebels against the humans just as a ship full of new settlers is set to arrive on the planet. That sounds good. Yeah, and it sounds like they just kind of cherry-picked little things yeah. from each and it sounds like there are that the movie made it all about the thoughts when the books sound like yeah, that's like the kicking off point but it's really about all this other stuff yeah it's about trying to colonize this planet that's not yours so there's a lot of settlers and indigenous people stuff going on and then it has teenage angst in it as well yeah and all that other stuff, but the movie just made it all about the thoughts. Yeah. And it was so boring. And, and so as here's what I think we should do. Cause you know, this is our bonus episode and, and 
I don't think we should go plot beat by beat. This is this is a special episode we do every year. It's short and sweet. We know you have a lot of trick-or-treating to do. But here's... Uh, so let's just talk about, like, the... like specific things we think about it or things that happened. Yeah. So so the first thing is we see that you can hear and see thoughts. And they're portrayed with this kind of rainbowy purple thing above the person's head. Yeah. Now it is one of the most stressful movies you could ever watch. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Because maybe that's why I didn't sleep last night. <laughs> maybe it was. Cause you will like Tom Holland's walking down the street and you're just hearing in the, down the street. Yeah. In the woods. Yeah, like when he's at like the town and oh, he's like okay, walking okay. down the street and just the other day and um like he'll see people who are just going oh yeah, I got to like do the chores and I got to do and then you're hearing him go oh girls coming from space, girls coming from space. And it's all this kind of whispery sound. Like the mayor really sound. likes me. I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. The mayor <laughs> really likes me. I'm a good boy. <laughs> it's psychotic. And so it's going and and I mean, just right, like like we keep saying, the first scene, it was just like, oh my gosh, I don't even know if this is worth it for our podcast to watch yeah. this movie. I mean, yeah. I hate this so much. And then you have two actors who are great actors, but they have no chemistry in this movie at all. No, no. And the other thing about the thought thing is only twice did they ever use it in a cool way. And what was that? And that was when he imagines that she's kissing him yeah. And then it like fades away and she's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of good. And then at the end, when um, they Uh-oh. they trick Mads Mikkelsen into thinking all the women that he murdered were there. Yeah. And use them as thought projections. Yeah. Those two things were cool. Yeah. there the, the issue, though, with the script, it's just not written well, is there were so many things that just weren't explained. <laughs> and it, And I think, well, I wonder if part of it is... They were hoping to make more movies. Even I'm sure though it if this did, likely, but, but I, I'm sure if this did well, they would have made more. But the writing's so poor, I don't know if they actually would have answered those questions. But here's something I'm confused on right off the bat. Yeah. So there is a colony. There's more than one colony on this planet. Although originally at the beginning of the movie, you think it's just one colony of men on yes. this planet that I thought was Earth for a long time. Yes. And then you see Daisy Ridley coming to this planet with other people. And at first it felt like they were going on vacation because they said, we're landing shortly. Please put your trays back in the upright position. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it goes wrong. But then I'm just like, how come they wouldn't? Cause, cause when she crash lands, she's, Which, she's the only survivor. By the way, the crash landing, the stuff interior looked like early 2000s mm-hmm. TV special effects. It was truly awful. Just kind of shaking the camera and yeah. there's like a green screen behind the actor with truly, a blow, truly an air awful. blower in front of them. Go ahead. But So they crash land and like she's the only woman in this colony of men like running for her life and it's like how did they this these people coming down from this big spaceship not know that there was a colony of just men? And, because you find out later like these colonies of people were sent down a long time ago. Yeah, how come yeah. the spaceship up there is not aware of how they're doing? Because at what point they get to the other colony where Cynthia Erivo is the mayor. Yeah. And it's men and women in that one. And they're able to coexist together despite the thought thing. And she's like, yeah, we, we cut off any kind of communication a long time ago. Like we didn't find it necessary anymore. And it's like, I don't accept that. <laughs> you yeah. uh, Clearly Earth 
was not doing well, and it was an interstellar situation where we needed to get humans off Earth and find another suitable planet. Yeah. And then we find this planet, and you think to just cut off with everyone else? Was it a revolutionary war situation where it was like, we don't want the king anymore. We're going to create our new government. Yeah. But they don't say anything like that? I don't get it. It makes Why would you ever cut off communication? If yeah. there are still probably millions of people in space waiting to find a place that's habitable for themselves. Don't get it. <laughs> Therefore, the whole thing just is so confusing. Yeah, and, and these are questions that could have answers. But, yeah. but, but I, I think of, like, this thought idea. This could be, this is like, this could be potentially like a Philip K. Dick kind of novel, interesting idea. But I think the dystopian reality of it really takes away from exploring what your thoughts being seen means. Yeah. Because what if we were like in a futuristic sci-fi Blade Runner-esque Earth and there is like society and we're having to grapple with like politicians we can see their thoughts or like you're getting experimented on but people can't... Like all of that stuff would be way more interesting than like I'm on the run and I've never seen a girl before. Yeah, it's almost like... So there's this really good book called The Power by Naomi Alderman where... Yeah, great book. Seemingly overnight, women develop the power of harnessing electricity. Yeah. And what does that mean for the world? Big recommend on that book. So it's almost like... Yeah, you'd like it. Interesting. Like, yeah, let's say it's still on Earth, still in the future, whatever. And we seemingly overnight, we can hear all of men's thoughts. Oh, man. What does that mean for the world? And they get the director from Promising Young Woman, and you got a movie right there. Yeah. Get Charlie Kaufman to do the script. Because I will say, I do like the twist of this movie. Supposed to be a big laughter there, but go ahead. Sorry. I'm just thinking. I know. But uh, the twist I thought was good with the, you found, you think that the indigenous people, who they call aliens on this planet, uh, killed all of the women in that colony, in Tom uh-huh. Holland's colony. And then you find out Mads Mikkelsen just killed all the women because they couldn't handle all the women hearing men's thoughts. Yeah, great idea. And very interesting. That's that, That's the movie alone, I think. Yeah. Just show us that whole thing. So that, that yeah, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> well, so, okay, so a couple more things I have. Or maybe this is just one more thing. I just think there is this sci-fi thing about planets yeah now i know on a scientific factual basis earth is a very unique place and it is it is so unbelievable that it has all these different uh uh geographies and landscapes on it Mm -hmm. and it's that supports life it's miraculous yeah And, and if we look at any other planets in our solar system and i think many if not all that we know of outside of our solar system they usually are like Mars is a desert with big hurricanes, you know, ice planets, stuff like that. But I think, this is just my thought on this, disagree with me, whatever. If you're going to make a movie where you can go to some place that's totally habitable by humans, or if you're just making a crazy fantasy, just consider that you you don't have to, you you can be... uh, you can have more than one landscape on your planet. Yeah. It's just a thing that kind of bugs me, especially when you're getting more into, like, you're, you're leaving the sci-fi and you're getting more into fantasy. Yeah. Like, an interstellar, it makes sense. I like that the planets are different and all have mm-hmm. their unique things. But when I think of something, like, like I, I really think Star Wars, 
personally like set that template where when people are writing sci-fi, they think subconsciously when Empire Strikes Back came out and they went to Hoth and it was an ice planet or an ice moon, I can't remember which. Um, and then, you know, it's like, oh, every planet is like Dagobah's a swamp. Uh, uh, the, the, the. What's one that Luke lives on? That it, oh, Tatooine, a desert planet. Yeah. Um, I'm forgetting. Oh, Endor, forest, yeah. forest moon of Endor. It's a forest, you know. So and it's a moon. That one is a moon. Yeah. That's cool. But um, it's like if you're doing fantasy, you don't have to do the Star Wars model. Uh huh. You can, you can like make it an interesting planet. Because I'm kind of sick of like when you watch a a sci-fi movie they go to a planet and it's like oh okay so this is like greenland or something well that's like that the alien covenant movie was the same thing yeah. they just went to earth basically yeah yeah I, it, it's it also is hard for me to understand that this is a world where like people i it feels like we're sent down to figure out this planet and populate it yeah do the the human thing whether or not that's ethically okay yeah because humans need to survive and we're only in like like you said one area of it the whole time like how long have they been here and they've only done this much it's that hard because it's the future is why i'm confused yeah yeah like they don't have to be stuck in this forest right yeah unless they were well they don't do a they don't do a good job of establishing that like they wouldn't be like they wouldn't have the resources to build like a better city no they don't tell you that nothing like that and there is no um into intuitive yeah. understanding of that either it's just it is yeah but um and then the, the they talk about the aliens who are the indigenous creatures on this planet and we see one of them and not a good design not a good design but like boring to look at tom holland fights with it for a second and then that's it that's and all And he's about to get. kill it and Daisy Ridley goes, "Don't do that." And he's like, and it's "Okay." So like, you're making a sci-fi movie and there is a straight up alien indigenous creature on this and that's not the movie. Yeah. That that's wild. It, it and it's it's not written well enough to be like the humans got to figure out their issues first. Cuz it make yeah. in the books it sounds like that's what it is. is yeah. The humans are figuring it out and by the last book it's like, "No, we have to reckon with what we're doing to the indigenous yeah, 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 creatures yeah. and that sounds way more interesting yeah it does where it's it just does. like there's him he looks different than me i'm gonna kill him well it wasn't just that he thinks that they killed his mom but like it's just not good that's not good it's not so those are our takeaways yeah and there were and i i feel like it also wasn't done well too where you're this woman crash lands in a colony of only men and many of them have never seen a woman potentially and they're it's not written well enough to make it feel like they're all being possessive over a woman and then yeah. at one point though they're like you have to take her you have to like like they're telling tom like what he needs to do and like basically that she's his property slash responsibility like there's not enough of that to to, to cover those yeah. themes of how men treat women. Yeah. It's it, just like, I don't know. It's nothing. Yeah, it's a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. And so my big takeaway, though, is, folks, if you're going to write a sci-fi movie, go to another planet, make it have something interesting. You personally travel to another planet yeah. to do your own research. Well, I mean, and again, I just want to hammer the planet thing a little bit more. 
Yeah, they need to personally go travel to one. If yes, they do. But if you are gonna do the single planet where that the planet is a single landscape, make it interesting like Interstellar. They go to that planet where man, Dr. Man is at, and it doesn't I know they shot that on Earth, but I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. And then when they go to the water planet and then you see that gravity makes these huge waves, it's like, what? That's cool. And it doesn't have to be super hard science to make it just sci-fi. Like, you can throw some fantasy in there, too, in terms of how a planet works. Yeah. So that you don't, basically to get away with not explaining the minutia of everything. Yeah. So, um... And I gotta say, sci-fi, not easy. It's not. I mean... I think sci-fi more than any other genre, if it is not done like at, a, at eleven, a, cranked up to eleven, yeah, a, a a perfectly written sci-fi movie yeah. could still be like not a very good movie. I know, like that's how good it has to be. Yeah. So, but it's also something that a lot of people are interested. I mean, if you're a writer, the chances are you enjoy sci-fi to some degree. Yeah. But it's something like you and I always talk about, and you you always say. Like, at least at this point in your life, you feel as though you couldn't write a sci-fi because you just couldn't, like... Figure it out. Figure world out all building, that knowledge the, and world yeah, building. Yeah, all that, yeah. Like, you want your stories to exist in our world. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. I mean, I think... Well, yeah, that's... Tackling also, the sci-fi yeah. is, like... It's hard. It, it, takes a, it takes talent, specific brain... Yeah. And doing it a lot. Yeah. To do It's a lot of hard work. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. And this one didn't land. No, it did not. It crash landed, and then you were able to read my thoughts, and I was unable to read yours. Yep. What do you think about that for a bonus episode, eh? Spooky, huh? I'll tell you what. If you want another bonus episode, you can go to patreon.com slash Micah McCaw, and you can listen to us talk about Kill Bill Volume 2. And next week, we'll be covering Scooby-Doo on our Patreon. So... Get on over there, sign up for as little as $3 a month. Come on, think about it. Mm-hmm. Only $3. You won't even notice that. Mm-hmm. You Trick won't. or treat, small my feet, give me something good to eat. If you don't, I don't care. Just sign up for Patreon. Yeah. Actually, that we do have to say, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this, but this is a trick or treat situation. Yeah. You, you got to treat us <laughs> or we're going to trick you. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get you on Patreon somehow. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween.